0: Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis.org, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Hi, I'm Dr. Ishi Desai. Every day it seems there are new reports of nurses leaving the profession due to burnout, exacerbating an existing shortage. As healthcare administrators find ways to grapple with this crisis, attention is also turning to the nursing education sector in the U.S. And what can be done to increase the number of nurses entering the profession? Our guest today is in a great position to discuss this challenge as a leader at one of the top nursing programs in the country. Dr. Emerson Ia is a clinical associate professor and associate dean for clinical and adjunct faculty affairs at New York University Myers College of Nursing. He's earned a PhD in nursing and a doctor of nursing practice and has worked in clinical settings for decades in addition to his work as an educator. Thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Thank you so much for the invite. I look forward to having a a great conversation.
0: So I'd love to just start out by learning a little bit about you and and what got you first interested in healthcare and particularly in nursing.
1: Absolutely. So my background in nursing goes all the way back to the Philippines, where I obtained my initial nursing degree. I, at first, wasn't really very interested in nursing. My eyes were set on getting a, a science degree leading towards medicine but because of some socioeconomic issues and difficulties of my families, I wasn't able to pursue that. And nursing was the closest thing because of its science background. I didn't realize that it was not just a science, but it's also an art. So that was a, quite a revelation. And I could never imagine myself right now, not being a nurse. So my background I've worked in many clinical areas. I've worked in emergency departments, in medical surgical areas, in home care, and had been an advanced practice nurse as well. And now as an educator and as a nurse educator administrator.
0: You know, you alluded to a couple of things there. I'd just like to dive into the first, which is economics. You know, it can be a big barrier for a lot of healthcare students. You mentioned the Philippines, but really around the world. To get into professions that they that they care about. Do you mind just diving into what the economics were like in training in the nursing profession versus the medical profession? What were some of the differences that you saw?
1: Yeah, so I could give you two perspectives as far as I can remember when I was in, you know, in, in college and as a nursing student and prior to nursing, as well as what I see now, what I've experienced as an educator in the US. So going back in the Philippines, you know, medicine is an expensive um, degree. Uh, and not many schools offer medicine. Uh, you have to go to a specific part of the country, and that means extra expenses, board and lodging. And if you don't have expenses, that's really going to be out of the picture. Well, here in the US, I think there's a lot of commonalities, you know, health profession degrees, medical programs, nursing programs are very, very expensive. And I know there are some state colleges and city colleges that may offer reasonable tuition and may be available to students. But overall, there are some issues that complicate going into a nursing school because of economics. So it's a complicating issue. That's one of the reasons that many students do not go into nursing, because not just the amount of work involved in nursing school, but also some of the resources that might preclude them from getting into nursing school.
0: The other thing you mentioned is that when you started, you were happily surprised that there was kind of an art element to it as well as a science do you mind just talking about kind of what was your mindset going into it and then what did you discover exactly
1: yes as i said earlier i was really into science science was my favorite subject way back in high school so when i was thinking about what to take up in in college of course you know science based professions medicine and nursing i know there is some science involved but of course that's what i took way back in college but when I dove into nursing, it's really more just in the science. It's really the applications of science. And it's taking care of a human person. And that is an art by itself. You have to know the sciences, the pathophysiology, anatomy, and all of that in taking care of a human person, of a person. But you also need to deal with that person who has emotions, who is more than the sum of his parts. You know, there are some emotions involved. There are some other socioeconomic status involved. So being a nurse really was a revelation for me to really taking care of the whole person,
0: not just a disease. That makes a lot of sense. Now, you obviously did a lot of clinical practice, but then you also became an educator and administrator. So I'm just curious about those transitions. What led you into those paths?
1: Yeah, so after so many years of practice, as I look back to my career then, I remember thinking about the many individuals and mentors who have influenced me and have contributed to who I was at that time. And I said, what a great way to really contribute back and to give back by being an educator, because you really have a very influential role in shaping the next cadre of professional nurses. So that was one of the motivations that I have, why I went from clinical practice to uh, education is to really have a significant impact on training and preparing the next cadre of nurses. And, of course, as my years evolve as an educator, I have progressed to become an administrator and I've also realized that I am who I am right now, today, because of so many other leaders who have influenced me. And what a great way to impact nursing education and to also mentor and be an example to many others by being an administrator. So I've really taken each of those roles really, really seriously. And I've enjoyed with the thought that, yes, I'm giving back to the profession, but at the same time, I am mentoring the next cadre of nurses and the next cadre of leaders.
0: So that's a good segue. Speaking of the next generation, you're a critical part of the team at NYU Myers School of Nursing. I'm curious, what do you feel distinguishes it from other programs and, and what do you feel is, is kind of the special sauce that you all bring?
1: Oh, NYU Myers has a illustrious history in nursing education. We are mm-hmm. uh, one of the first PhD programs in the country and we have really distinguished alumni from the school who have on to become leaders, not just in healthcare and nursing in the U.S., but globally. We have the most outstanding faculty here currently teaching, They're one of the most distinguished practitioners as well, who are also part of the school. And when you ask about what really distinguishes Myers from all the rest, one of the things that really come to mind is just our history and our, our faculty, but really the students. Our students come from a diverse group. They're smart, they're dedicated, they'll challenge you every single day. They're not afraid to ask questions. They're not afraid to really uh, challenge the status quo, and they're not afraid to think out of the box. We also have a very uh, cutting edge curriculum, both at the graduate and undergraduate. One thing I could give you an example, is a design thinking curriculum model that we have integrated in our undergraduate program. And it really is an innovative way to educate the future nurses and leaders out there who can think out of the back and could think innovatively to answer all the pressing questions in healthcare.
0: I imagine thinking innovatively is not just limited to the students because you, know, you all have had to deal with COVID this year and will in the next year as well. What are some changes that you've seen at the school in response to the COVID pandemic?
1: Oh, uh, the transition, Arishi, from face-to-face to virtual happened overnight, literally. We were told one day that take up whatever you could take up from your office because we will be back here maybe next week or in two weeks. That dragged on and became a year and a half. We just recently came back in person. I'm actually in my office right now doing this interview with you, but we've been working virtual. So the realization from that switch was that virtual education works. We have to really think through all the outcomes that we want to achieve and how do we want to achieve it, regardless of the platform, maybe face-to-face or virtual. So it really made us accept. We, We tend to like had... Some uh, love-hate relationship with online education before, but we didn't really have a choice this time because it's all virtual. So really, we're confronted with the reality that this is going to be the future. This is how learning would look like moving forward. It is here now, and it will more common in the future. And we just need to think of outcomes, the educational outcomes that we want to achieve. What do we really want our students to look like when they graduate from the program, and how can we achieve that with the education platform that we have? So. Yes, we come to embrace virtual, but we also come to embrace that there's also the importance of having the face-to-face meeting, especially in health professions and nursing in particular, which really leverages on interaction with with patients on on a daily basis, a regular basis. And we were very lucky here at Myers because we were able to really continue that form of instruction in clinical, in simulation in particular. We have a very strong simulation center here that offered that continuity to students. So there's no gap in your learning. And come next week, we will be back in person, in our classroom, teaching exciting and motivated students to learn about nursing and be the future nurses who will lead nursing and healthcare.
0: That's awesome. Welcome back to your office and to the campus. That's a pretty exciting thing after a long time. You know, these nurses, you describe them as energized, enthusiastic, you know, not uh, scared to, to question norms. You know, right now with COVID, we're also seeing the other end of the spectrum with a lot of nurses feeling burnt out, stressed, fatigued. What, what sort of conversations are you having among the faculty and the students about that reality as well?
1: Well, one thing we also realize that before we can take care of a patient as a nurse, we need to take care of ourselves because we need to be healthy, mm-hmm. we need to be well, to be able to provide the optimum care to our patients, you know, and our nursing students as well. They need to also observe and really promote Mm self-care. Mental health is so important and really taking it, you know, one day at a time and really asking help uh, if they need it. And we have resources here available um, at NYU. So let me talk a little bit about the time when we switched to virtual because it was very stressful for, for everyone mm-hmm. so focusing on the faculty all of a sudden you know our water cooler conversations disappeared our happenstance meeting in a hallway or in the coffee shop downstairs wasn't there so our usual norm of innovation of talking and interaction disappeared and it was very very stressful so one of the initiatives that we implemented here at Myers was we created a virtual water cooler And it is a platform for faculty to just get together, to have a conversation, to support one another, and to just be there, to just create some sort of a a semblance of normalcy during those times uh, that are really very difficult to describe. So we have recognized the importance of support, of asking for support, the importance for self-care, and importance for having mental health or really addressing mental health early on.
0: That makes a lot of sense and fascinated that you guys are are doing kind of a virtual water cooler. That's pretty cool to hear about. I'm also struck by the fact that we've seen different communities hit differently with COVID. And I know a community that you care deeply about is a Filipino-American community. Do you mind just speaking a little bit about kind of some of the work that you've personally done in that space and for that community over the last year and maybe the, maybe the years prior as well?
1: Absolutely. So for more than 10 years now, Rishi, I've been heavily involved in uh, initiatives, community-based initiatives and research to really advance and promote the health of the Filipino-American community. And it's been a very difficult. I've done a lot of community outreach. I'm the chair of a community based organization here in New York called Kalasugan Coalition. Kalasugan is a Filipino term that means health in English. So it's a community based organization whose focus is really to promote health education and to do reach out health screening to the community. So it's difficult because we have to pivot to virtual but it also opened up a lot of opportunities for us to network with other organizations who have the same type of work to offer education to the Filipino community and to empower the Filipino community. So I'll give you an example. You know, we started our first webinar in April of 2020, and the topic was epidemiology of COVID-19. Well, 18 series, 18 webinars later, we just had one last month, we are still talking about how this pandemic has really impacted the Filipino community. On the same vein, I'm also heavily involved with research, uh, specifically with Filipino Americans. My current project right now is a mixed methods study looking at oral health and dental care service use of Filipino older adult immigrants. Hmm. I had held it for quite some time because of the restrictions brought about by the pandemic. I can't go to the community and uh, obtain data and collect data. But because of the lifting of the restrictions not too long ago, I'm back again in the community, you know, collecting data and interacting with the community. I'm also the uh, education chair of the Philippine Nurses Association of America. You may have heard um, that although we make up of the total nursing workforce here in the US, Mm -hmm. a third of deaths among RNs have been Filipinos. And you can just imagine the impact on that for the Filipino community. And the members of the organization have been heavily impacted by this. So we've offered support virtually, obviously, during this time, and we continue to offer support to the members during this time. So those are some of my involvement in the Filipino community. It's obviously a topic that's near and dear to me, and that will continue to be a part of my clinical scholarship.
0: I mean, that's, that's a shocking statistic. Can, do you mind just repeating the stat? And then are there any thoughts on why it's hit that community so hard? I mean, that's phenomenal. That's not a small trend. That's, that's like a tsunami.
1: This is from the National Nurses Union. So you can look it up. It's data from California. There have been several thoughts why that is, Rishi. I mean, imagine a third of all nurse deaths in Mm -hmm. the U.S. have been Filipinos. So many thoughts come to that. So one of the things that may have contributed to that is that majority of Filipino nurses work on the front lines. They
0: either work as
1: medical surgical nurses or critical care nurses or emergency nurse. A lot of Filipino nurses work on the front line. So that may have... Facilitated direct exposure to the virus. You know, at the very beginning, we don't know what what it was. We weren't really prepared or how to prepare ourselves, how to protect ourselves for the virus. And also, the Filipino American community has a lot of health disparities, hypertension, you know, diabetes. These are common um, chronic conditions among Filipinos. And of course, we all know that uh, these are risk factors. You know in the development in, in acquiring COVID and many of the RNs may be burdened by this chronic disease states so those are some of the thoughts and thinking about why but the data are the data and it's no way denying that it has heavily impacted the Filipino American community especially the Filipino nursing community
0: you know the the sad and tragic situation is that this could happen again we can have another pandemic it could be another situation maybe maybe a little different in some ways, but some of these themes are gonna recur. And I'm curious to know whether you feel like there are lessons that we've learned already, maybe some examples of lessons learned about how to you know, strengthen our healthcare system, including what you just mentioned on frontline healthcare workers, how to keep them more safe so that we don't see this tragedy unfold again in the future.
1: Yeah, so I'll address that in two parts. First one is you know, protecting our frontline workers we need to really protect our healthcare workers. We need to be backed by science on how can we prevent transmission and how can we make sure that our healthcare workers who are on the front lines are given their personal protective equipment, the appropriate ones, when battling something this this magnitude or or this type of, of epidemic. The other piece is about the realization that the health inequities uh, mm-hmm. that this pandemic has laid bare. We now realize that, yes, all the efforts that we've done in the past may be inadequate to really mm-hmm. achieve the goal that we set to achieve, which is to achieve health equity. And also there's a realization that our health professionals, physicians and nurses and other members of the healthcare team may not have been, you know, adequately prepared to care for a diverse group of individuals with very specific needs, Mm -hmm. depending on their situation. So the realization is that we need to do better in educating our future healthcare workers, nurses, physicians, and we need to really equip them and understanding what is health globally and what are the factors that affect health, such as the social determinants of health. We need to really have a full understanding how the social determinants of health really impact health disparities, uh, and how do we, if we can address those health disparities could lead to uh, achieving health equity. So yes, so this is a wake up call. This is really a pivot for for all of us to rethink how we protect our healthcare workers and at the same time how we educate our future healthcare workers.
0: I think education is is uh, going to have to be a big part of the solution. And, and you know, as you know, we're a teaching company, and so we love to fill knowledge gaps. You know, I'd love to invite you to share maybe something that you you think is a common myth or maybe a misunderstanding in the general public or among healthcare students or even something that you learned in your career that that maybe you could share with us and and educate us on and it can be on any topic at all
1: yes i'll focus on two things rishi first one is nursing nursing is such a rewarding career it will open Mm -hmm. a lot of doors of opportunity not a plug, but I wrote a book. I co-wrote a book called 300, 301 Careers in Nursing. So there oh, wow. is opportunity for nurses to really explore different career paths um, wow. while in nursing. So this is a rewarding career that really would offer a lot of opportunities for those who are considering nursing. Okay. And the other lesson or another thing that I would like to share with uh, your viewers is that there is this report that was recently released the National Academies of Medicine, which is called The Future of Nursing, Charting a Path to Achieve Health Equity. This is a very important report to really look at because it represents a roadmap for nursing, how we can achieve health equity. And nursing education is a big part of that, the role of nursing education in preparing the next cadre of nurses who will be ready to address social determinants of health. And how to be ready to really be champions and leaders and allies to achieve health equity. So those are the two things that I'd like to share your viewers too, yeah. to, look up, to look up because they're, they're so important. So career in nursing is so important. It will open up a lot of doors of opportunities for you. It's an exciting career. Then this new report just came out that really, really have an impact in, in nursing and nursing education.
0: That's phenomenal. The idea of even then using the word nursing feels very unsatisfactory, given that the field is so diverse. I mean, you mentioned three hundred plus, you know, different paths that you can take within a field. That's that's phenomenal. You know, I guess related to that, there are a lot of early stage uh, students in our audience that are just embarking on their journey. Maybe they've just decided to go into nursing, or maybe they are not even sure if they want to be in healthcare or not. You know, it's hard to say, what would be your advice? I mean, as you look back and think about kind of when you were at those early stages in your own career, what advice would you give to those students?
1: Yeah, I'll start with what's currently happening, the pandemic. I will tell those future healthcare professionals or nurses, future nurses, that this too shall pass. When this is over, we would need healthcare professionals. We need healthcare professionals now. We need physicians, we need nurses. And learn from this experience. You've seen, heard how this pandemic have really opened up deep fissures in our society, you Mm -hmm. know, social justice, health equity. So learn from this pandemic. And when you practice out there as a nurse, how would you change nursing? Mm -hmm. How would you change? healthcare. So that's my biggest advice to future nurses out there to keep on plowing, to keep on trying to persevere. These programs, nursing programs are not easy. They require a lot of dedication. They require a lot of focus from your part, but they pay you back in so many ways. It's a very rewarding career. Whatever you put into, you'll take it back and more. So yes, keep on persevering because this career will love you back.
0: I love it. Yeah, the idea of persevering and loving your career, I think are, are good notes to end on. Thank you so much for being with us today and for sharing your your story with us.
1: I really appreciate the opportunity and thank you so much again for this invite.
0: I'm Dr. Rishi Desai. Thanks for checking out today's show. Remember to do your part to flatten the curve and raise the line. We're all in this together.